<laughs> there we go. How's it going, everyone? Mike is muted. The number one sing in 2020. Uh, my name is Ryan Kalesuji, joined by Yanji Denise. Thanks so much for tuning in to Spotlight Hawaii. Uh, and really, it's been quite a busy week uh, uh, here, Yanji. Uh, of course, we continue to track the state's uh, progression of COVID-19 and how the state is tackling it in our community. Yesterday, we heard a big announcement coming from Honolulu Hale, Mayor Rick Blangiardi, announcing adjustments to the tier system, which uh, now has given the green light for sports, bars, and funerals. However, one industry that continues to remain in the holding pattern is weddings. So we'll be, we'll be speaking to a few in the wedding industry coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, but another big news story uh, this week has been this wild weather, Yanji, that we've seen this past week. Yeah, and we saw so much devastation on the north shore of Oahu, but another place that's experienced so much severe weather this week is the island of Kauai. We saw a major landslide there cutting off a major thoroughfare, and there's also a lot of other news coming out of the Garden Islands. So today, joining us live from his office in Kauai is Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, Mr. Mayor, for being here. I know you just got off the road after surveying the damage. What can you tell us about what it's looking like out there? Well, um, of course, the the damage is um, it, it's it's major damage. Um, we got out there with uh, Ed Sniffin from DOT and our Koi team under Larry Dill. Uh, we had contractors out there assessing the situation. Work has uh, started to begin. Um, all I can say is that after seeing video footage and photographs. Um, getting out there in person to see the size and magnitude um, is one thing. But hearing from Ed Sniffen that he's very optimistic that we can come up with some solutions to at least um, get some access in and out uh, sooner rather than later uh, is a breath of fresh air. There's a few things that need to happen in order for all of this to fall into place. Uh, one big thing that we really have no control over is the weather. The area needs to dry up significantly and then some significant debris uh, can start to be moved off that roadway. After that, they'll be able to assist the condition of the road while slope stabilization work um, begins concurrently as well. So um, that, that's where we're at today. It, it's, um, it's very optimistic from DOT's standpoint that uh, they can begin to at least start to work to give some limited access in and out of that area. And is there a timeline for that? We know that, of course, there is a large community and communities uh, that have been cut off because of this. Uh, what does that timeline look like? Say, if, if weather conditions continue to hold up and dry out, is this something that we could see the road at some least some portion being restored sooner rather than later? So per, per DOT, um, it looks like in a best case scenario, um, Tuesday, um, but that is in ideal conditions with um, no work disruptions. And uh, we're currently monitoring the weather very closely. Um, that area is still very, very saturated. And on the drive back, we were faced with significant rain um, with a lot of ponding on Kuhio Highway. So if anybody is leaving uh, Kapa'a or heading that way, um, drive safely because there, there is significant ponding on the highway as we speak, so it's quite dangerous. Oh. And there's our electricity. Oh. 
<laughs> in and out, but we're glad you're still here with us. Um, you know, let's talk about between now and Tuesday, what kind of, uh, you know, resources are you putting in place so that, you know, if there are emergencies in that community, uh, you know, so that people have at least, I, I know they can't maybe go in and out to work and whatnot, but um, so that those people are not stuck in a, in a dire situation if they do have a medical emergency or another kind of an emergency. Um, so this is really an all hands on deck operation. And so um, within our incident management team at the EOC, uh, we have a Department of Public Works, Parks and Recreation, Fire, Police, AMR, uh, Planning. Um, it's just, uh, we're, we're going full throttle. Um, on, on the other end, uh, and sometimes like the more significant end, in my opinion, for those people that are out there um, in Hanalei and North Kauai, uh, we have a large number of community organizations that are well-established that really know how to respond to this type of disaster that have already begun to work as we speak um, from the get-go, they were deployed. On our end, we have police, fire, uh, first responder crews uh, deployed on that side of the island that is cut off. We do have resources set up. Um, there is a shelter that is on standby. Uh, nobody's uh, in there as we speak, but they are on standby in case anybody needs to get uh, into a shelter situation. We are working today on logistics as far as creating alternative transportation to get necessary food, supplies. Um, we're getting a system set up so that people can get their prescriptions filled. Um, so we're working on that all day today and setting up logistics for that. Um, we're also starting to, what they say, grease the skids for federal and state support, meaning we are still collecting data as far as damage assessment that needs to be submitted so that we can qualify for FEMA support. And we're working through HIEMA to potentially uh, call upon um, PMRF, our partners at PMRF under Captain Young, if we need uh, military support as well. So the planning data today Looks like we're setting up a continued logistics. Um, we're working on um, identifying areas uh, where we can where we can serve the public out there the best. So um, by today, uh, we should also have uh, some sort of community meeting set up for the people out there, so that DOT and our team can communicate with those residents on timeline, both short term and long term and give them a better snapshot as to uh, how resources will be coming in and out of that area as well. So we are working as fast as we could, as we possibly can. You know, Mayor, when you look at this uh, area that has, once again, is suffering through this landslide, when you think back to 2018, I, the biggest difference obviously is now that Hanalei is kind of included mm -hmm. in this group, where as before it was just one hand and the northern communities, uh, now it's a much larger community. If you can speak to how the businesses might be impacted by this, we know that many were gearing up uh, for the reopening of safe travels and Kauai being back into that program. I'm sure we can talk a little more about that, but if you can speak to the businesses and what kind of support is gonna be made available for some of these uh, who are in, in these areas and once again are having to suffer through cleanups and now this landslide. So once again, um, we're gonna try and tap into as much federal resources as possible. Uh, I know that SBA has a number of programs, also FEMA has some business support programs as well. But um, on the longer term, we are trying to figure out logistics on 
uh, what the feasibility is as, as far as, you know, on, they're looking forward to April 5th as a return to safe travels. So we have to work carefully to see um, how we can uh, how we can continue to have commerce in that area because this is going to be a prolonged project. Um, we may be able to open up access, uh, but it's going to be limited in scope. Um, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be to stabilize that slope as well as taking a look at that highway as well. So we have our Office of Economic Development um, and we also have our IMT team uh, working today to seek out, like I said, alternative modes of transportation. And I think, um, you know, this side of the island uh, is going to be faced with more of these type of situations. I think most people realize that with climate change and these type of storms happening more frequently and with more intensity, um, we have to be um, resilient and we have to build in a process and system to be able to mitigate these type of disruptions and still allow commerce to happen. And so um, what happened in 2018 was very restrictive. Um, I think in this phase, the next evolution is to try to figure out uh, how we can continue to have a good, healthy economy and commerce, but we're gonna have to figure out some sort of alternative mode of transportation for this area moving forward. You know, you mentioned April 5th and safe travels. What changed your mind? Why did you decide that now is the right time for your island to rejoin the program? Well, because we've been able to hit our benchmarks. You know, you have to be able to set goals and every island is unique. We're all basing our decisions on healthcare capacity, available resources on island, how many rooms we have in our isolation center. Um, so there's so many different factors and you have to have a game plan and you have to prioritize. So our priority has always been, um, and this is all from uh, guidance from CDC and up above us, Department of Health, was that vaccine deployment is going to be key to having a steady return to our economy. So we decided to utilize our resources to getting as much vaccines out as possible. So as we speak today, about 29,000 vaccines have been distributed. Um, based on our uh, forecasting, it looks like by April 5th, we would be able to have hit a large amount of our vulnerable population, but then also the workers in the visitor industry itself. And so we felt that that was a good date um, for Koi to be able to uh, get back to safe travels. And people also have to understand that we have been equipped with way more tools than were available three, four months ago even. We have more testing available. We have more, um, you know, we're having vaccines distributed. Um, we have uh, treatment services in our hospitals that allow sick people to have a quicker, faster recovery. Um, and we just have better contact tracing um, capability through uh, digital platforms. So we're much better equipped to be able to handle an increase in case counts. Um, I would think that the biggest factor uh, that gives us, uh, well, not the biggest, but a, a big factor that gives us a higher level of confidence is that the visitor industry themselves on this island, some of the bigger hotels and smaller hotels have said that they want to voluntarily um, test their guests and their workers as well. So this is not anything that would be government mandated. This is the industry saying, hey, you know, we see um, the value of testing people. We want to be able to not only uh, contribute to the state and to the island uh, with an economic recovery, 
but we want to be active in disease management, mitigation, and prevention as well. And so all of these factors coming in uh, puts Koi in, in a good place, you know. Uh, so we're very optimistic. There have been other calls and, and recommendations by those uh, in government and, and outside to lift the quarantine restrictions and testing needed for inter-island travel. Is that something that you would support to allow uh, that inter-island travel from happening? Uh, so those from Oahu being able to come to Kauai without having to go through quarantine or taking uh, any sort of test? Yes, you know, we had an in-depth discussion with our incident management team. And of course our district health office has a big presence um, in our decision-making process. Um, you know, right now, uh, there, there are a few factors we're observing on the horizon and very and close to home, quite frankly. Um, we're always observing variants. Uh, we're observing how effective the vaccine is over the course of time. But, you know, as we speak, we're, we're okay when the state is ready to say that they're going to loosen restrictions for inner island travel. And um, we're waiting to see uh, how vaccines can be a path forward to uh, less restrictions as well. Um, and people need to realize these are all staged approaches um, to returning to normalcy. And uh, so we are ready as we speak. Um, you know, we're dealing with one uh, incident at a time, though. Now I have two to juggle, but that's quite okay. We'll be okay. Well, and another incident uh, that made headlines this week, of course, is the police chief uh, on your island and some allegations there of racism against Asian Americans in a report that was unveiled. Um, can we just get your response? Do you have confidence in the chief? And, and when you read those allegations, what went through your mind? I was hurt. I was hurt because I know the chief, you know, he's been in our office. We wrote our office, rolled the red carpet out to accommodate him and get him and his family, you know, acclimated to Kauai, you know, tell him, um, you know, the best path forward. I've worked closely with him on a number of measures. We, we have a great working relationship. Um, but, you know, for, for you know, Japanese Americans, you know, in Hawaii, it's it stings. I mean, it's just the timing of the pandemic and the rise in, uh, you know, some of, you know, the discrimination, discrimination against Asian Americans, it, it cuts deeply. You know, I'm, I'm a grandson of a immigrant who came from Japan at 12. The bombing of Pearl Harbor happened. Um, you know, both my grandfather and my uncle volunteered to go fight in that war just to to prove that that we're Americans, that we're that we're patriots. Um, I don't think that he he meant it that way. Um, I I just don't uh, know what the what the full story is. But whenever something like that comes out, it hurts. You know, my daughter is 17. And um, as she's at home, you know, looking through colleges, um, I can tell when she's, when she's bummed, when she hears that one of the colleges she was looking at um, has, you know, civil unrest. So she's scratching that off on the list. She's Googling, you know, places where, you know, you have higher levels of, you know, anti, you know, Asian sentiment, and she's scratching that off on her list. But, you know, I, I think, I think he, he deserves to be able to uh, explain his situation. Um, but it does hurt because, I mean, in the back of everybody's mind, when they're listening to it, they're probably assuming it's about me, but it ain't because uh, I'm very straightforward with people. If I don't like something, they know it. So, um, uh, but for anybody that's wondering, uh, 
the chief and I will be able to work fine. Um, his his heart, uh, when I speak to him, uh, is about the people of Kauai. And quite frankly, although it, it's hurtful, like this is how my heart feels, it, it's bigger than beyond how I feel because our ability to work together is about the people of Kauai, which is the most important thing. And um, I tell people all the time, don't focus on this. Um, don't let this be the focal point for the Koi Police Department and the great work that our officers and their support staff do for the community. And don't let this be a focus of uh, Koi because, um, because we have bigger things to focus on right now. Um, I saw the chief, we're, we're gonna be able to work through it. Bottom line, these things happen, you know? You know, as our, our time wraps up here, I did want to just give you one final word, uh, any message that you may have for those residents who may be cut off right now, uh, the rest of the island, anyone else who may be tuning in. Obviously, you guys are having to deal with a lot again, Kauai. Uh, it always seems like we come to you and there's something going on uh, on your island. Uh, what is your final message maybe to the viewers out there watching this morning? Right, a stone's throw away uh, in that next room. It is our incident management team. We have two branches right now dealing with COVID-19, and we have another branch of All-Stars that is gonna work around the clock to, to take care of that North Shore community and this whole island. It, the energy in there is amazing. These folks are fired up to come up with solutions, um, and they will not tire or grow weary until we take care of our people on the North Shore. For you folks out there, you are on the top of our mind. We are gonna work um, and get you folks through this. You folks are resilient. Um, fall back on what you know and who you are as a community, a tight-knit community. Um, we will get you support. Please, please be safe. Um, we're praying for good weather, uh, but we're all, all hands on deck operation to take care of you folks. Okay, thank you so much for joining thank us on you. such a busy day. Mayor Derek Kawakami joining us from his office on Kauai. Aloha. Aloha thank you. Wow, Ryan, we covered a lot of ground there, but we have two more guests waiting in the wings that we want to get to this morning. Um, but good to hear that the mayor, you know, has been on site and he does sound like he they're going to be working through the weekend uh, with DOT already greasing the wheels, as he said, to get some federal support um, and hopefully getting full access to that area, at least in some capacity by Tuesday. That is still, though, quite a few days away. Yeah, but also reminding that it could be a long process that even if they are able to present uh, some form of access to that community, that this could be a long haul, that they're going to need to work on that area. Uh, so there could be delays. Uh, we know that there was one lane uh, road uh, during the 2018 flooding that opened up and uh, it, it could be some time before things return to normal in that area uh, for residents and those who are visiting the community. So uh, we'll continue to say, uh, keep that uh, something that we will continue to monitor and bring you updates uh, here on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Of course, yesterday, a busy day, Mayor Rick Blanchiardi announcing some loosening of restrictions, not quite tier four, but certainly looser than traditional tier three that we were used to. That is reopening bars, uh, re allowing uh, large funerals, 
uh, and also youth sports making somewhat of a comeback. No potlucks and people on the sidelines, but people still able, students still able to play. Uh, one industry that really feels like they've been left out of the calculation, though, is Oahu's wedding industry. And so joining us this morning are two people to represent that industry, Nicole Shin and Sue Tabal Yamaguchi. Thank you so much, ladies, for being here. Um, Nicole, I want to start with you. Tell us how the industry has fared so far. And when you heard the mayor loosening those restrictions, but not including weddings, what went through your mind? It's been very frustrating for the entire wedding industry. We've just been waiting. We've been patient, um, following the guidelines. Uh, I have had many emails this morning from my clients that have been very closely monitoring the situation and they're very upset and worried as well um it's it's been tough it's been really tough um and very frustrating we really thought that we would have had an, a, a positive announcement yesterday um instead he kind of singled us out that we were definitely not opening and not allowed so um not too sure why uh, and for you, Sue, we know that, of course, you also are in the industry. Talk to us about how this has impacted you and, and things that you've had to do to pivot during this time, knowing that weddings uh, have not been allowed uh, thus far. Well, we've actually had to pivot to do everyday arrangements like regular floor shops. And actually, I do the everyday floor shops, but I also am now doing a lot of the... Um, like webinars. So I've actually gone into teaching and I've been involved with um, the Hawaii Floriculture Nursery Association where we promote Hawaii flowers and weddings. And um, we've actually gone just all by a webinar. Mm -hmm. and, and Nicole, what is currently allowed? Because we do know that there are there are very, very small weddings under the current system. But what, what are the restrictions in place as is just people, you know, not a lot, not a lot of our viewers probably are planning weddings. So if you could give us the baseline. Uh, well, right now, weddings are categorized as social gatherings. So we can currently in tier three have weddings up to 10 people. Um, we're not, I, I believe that includes vendors as well. That is kind of iffy um but it can have you can have a small elopement bride and groom efficient photographer maybe parents um those are the restrictions since we are categorized as social gatherings um, what we're trying to do is get into another category our own separate wedding category that has professional vendors professional planners um, and that is structured and has guidelines um, that is what we're trying to do because right now um you can basically have an elopement uh, and, and Sue, you know, I want, I'm wondering, we, we do see some people getting married, uh, some are posting photos. How are some allowed to have these wedding ceremonies? Uh, a lot of times I think we're seeing them in restaurants, though. Uh, what is sort of the workaround that are allowing some people to get married and that's restricting others from doing so? I, I think it's uh, depending on the location that you're having it at. And some people are following the restaurant guidelines. And so if you have a venue that has a commercial kitchen, I, I believe that they're getting into the loophole of having weddings there. Um, but I know that, you know, maybe we might have to call it a luau or something. Um, so that way people will feel better or if it's legal, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. 
And, and Nicole, when you look at the, the landscape for this, we're talking about a lot of sort of industries. When, when we think of a wedding, we think of perhaps the officiant, the person who made the dress, maybe the photographer, but this is really, uh, this affects a lot of employment in our state. How big is the, is the industry in our state? We have hundreds of vendors. I mean, we're talking rental companies, photographers, videographers, hair and makeup artists, um, stationers, planners, florists. Um, it really reaches out and, and the wedding industry reaches out farther. I mean, guests are coming in, their families, their friends, they're making hotel reservations, they're eating out at restaurants, they're making activity reservations. I mean, the economy could really benefit from bringing weddings back to Oahu. Um, I just got some information earlier that in 2019, there were about 21,000 weddings in Hawaii and 52% of those were on Oahu. So you can imagine the income uh, that we could bring to the economy. Um, right now, we've got clients that just, they're very worried and they're scared and they're not making those arrangements because they don't know, we can't plan. We don't know what is in the future. We don't know what's beyond tier four. You know, tier four can bring 25 people to a social gathering, but after that, we've had no answers as to, you know, what is the next step. You know, I want to bring in a comment here from Heidi, who is saying weddings can happen in Maui with up to 100 if they are supervised by a wedding planner. Uh, we've heard this also repeated in conversations about the wedding industry here in Oahu. Why is it, or, or do you understand, has there been any talk as to why Maui County is allowed uh, this? And, and if Oahu followed a similar practice, if that is something that could be presented or hasn't been presented uh, to the mayor or to the governor or whoever is uh, responsible for making this decision? I believe it has been presented to our mayor. Um, I'm not too sure how many people were behind it. Um, but that plan definitely was presented to our mayor. And yes, Maui can have weddings up to 100 people, including vendors. They've got very good guidelines, very clear guidelines as to how this these weddings can happen. Professional vendors at a professional venue, temperature checks, contact tracing, masks. Um, it, it's very well thought out. And I'm not too sure why our mayor and our government has not signed off on that. It's a very good plan and we definitely plan to push um, what we think could be very reasonable and responsible in having these celebrations come back. Yeah, and Sue, you know, long-term, how long can a business like yours sort of survive under these current restrictions? Not very long, actually. Um, I have a storefront of brick and mortar and so, for me to try to survive on what I have coming in, um, realistically, I'm not really sure. I've had an 80% loss in business, so I um, have to think about something else, but we can't because we're under contract with our clients. And to put that aside and try to think of something else is not really fair for our clients as well. You know, as we wrap up here, I'm, I'm wondering if you can give us an update or, or let us know what, what is it, what does the future look like? I mean, I know it's hard to plan right now uh, because there is so much uncertainty, but do you have a, a lot of people that are in this waiting uh, wing area just sort of on hold? What, is, what are the numbers looking like in terms of the weddings that you're working with? Maybe Nicole will start off with you. Uh, those that are 
waiting and anticipate and looking for some sort of decision to be made on this? Um, I have weddings starting in May that are just waiting and trying to remain patient. I had an email this morning from a mother of the bride begging me to figure something out and it, it's heartbreaking. Um, so starting May, I've got people holding on. In July, I've got people holding on. August, September, it really starts up. Um, they're just waiting and they're hoping that there's gonna be an announcement soon that changes the uh, restrictions, eases the restrictions on weddings. And they're just holding strong. Um, every day I get emails from people. Uh, the future, people are comfortable booking for 2022. So I've been, I've been working on planning for the future um, at the same time dealing with the stress of, can we have our wedding or not this summer? And Sue, we'll give you the last word. What would be your message maybe to any leader that might be watching out there, uh, anybody who is in the position of power to make these decisions? If you had the opportunity to speak with them directly, what, what would you tell them? I would say, give us a chance. We are professionals and we're not asking for much. We on Oahu, we'd like to at least prove ourselves that if we can do it with 50 or 75 people, I mean, just give us a chance. And um, we, we just really want to prove ourselves. There's so many protocols that we can do and to make sure that it's safe. But really, we just really want a chance. Okay, well, thank you so much, Sue and Nicole, for joining us this morning and representing Oahu's wedding industry. This is something that we will track uh, in the days and months ahead. Thank you. And, and interesting, Ryan, uh, you know, Nicole pointing out there that the mayor basically singled out this industry in particular as saying that it's not open for business. Um, and there's sort of a, a feeling like, well, why can a bar open? Why can you have a funeral with unlimited people? But this particular industry, which as we know, is a multi-million dollar industry on this island or and, and throughout this state. And the fact that Maui can have these, but Oahu cannot, um, is is puzzling a lot of people. And as you heard Sue there, you know, she doesn't know how much longer her business can hold on uh, as these restrictions are maintained. And we'll actually be speaking to the mayor next week on this program. And so we intend to ask uh, some of these questions and get his comments on when he thinks uh, any changes could be made. And if he ha he is aware of the allowance of weddings and, and the procedures that have been set up on Maui. And if that's something that we might be able to see here on the island of Oahu, he will be joining us uh, on Friday, but we have uh, another popular guest joining us on Monday. That's right. Uh, we have Ann Pereira Eustaquio from the Department of Labor and Industrial Relations. Uh, now that we do have a new COVID relief measure in place, we know that unemployment benefits are being extended. There is that $300 plus up that's being extended. Uh, PUA is being extended, PEUC, all of that. So we're going to break it down with her. Uh, if you are facing unemployment or you know someone who is, please make sure you join us for that show because and does a great job, uh, regardless of what you think the office has done, she herself does a great job in just breaking down the benefits and the eligibility. And it's really great to hear from her. So please join us on Monday for that. And then Wednesday, Ryan, we're kind of doing a little bit of shift and going into the entertainment industry. That's why we're going to be spotlighting uh, the movie Finding Ohana. It is a Netflix film that was filmed here in the islands based in Hawaii as well. Uh, we'll be talking to a few of the cast members as well as Donnie Dawson from the Hawaii Film Office as well to get an update on how the film industry continues to accelerate during this time of COVID and uh, some of the new exciting projects that are on deck that's set to be filmed in Hawaii. We know that this is also a multi-million dollar industry that can help to support the economy during this time. 
we'll get an update from her and again hear from the cast about their experiences filming here in the island. So a lot to look forward to next week. We thank you so much for joining us. Uh, to our uh, neighbor island viewers on the island of Kauai, please continue to stay safe during this time. We thank the mayor as well as uh, Sue and Nicole for joining us here this morning. And we'll all see you right back here on Monday at 10.30. Aloha. Aloha.